0: I would say that, and this is where we'll get to one of the other demons, one of the easiest paths to temptation, and one of the easiest ways a person can fall off the righteous path is to not recognize that as a human, they are wretched and they are flawed and that that is okay. All humans sin. Hmm. What is critical is that you do not glorify the sin. Sin is a is a is a part of life, but there is a huge difference between saying, I am engaging in this sin, I recognize it as sin, I recognize it is something I should have some shame for, mm-hmm. uh, but I also recognize that I am human and thus a sinner right? But if you use it and say, no, actually the sports are a good thing. I am a good person for being good at sports. I am a good person for in whatever particular aspect of flaneshidom that I engage in. That is where true evil comes from. But true evil can also come from a human that thinks they can totally avoid sin. Every group I know of that believes that humans can completely avoid sin. The humans in their group that quote unquote, come closest to that are mm-hmm. typically least efficacious individuals in society because avoiding sin means avoiding action
1: would you like to know more
2: you said that we were going to talk about demons today i was so sure that you were going to like make this salacious episode about like skeletons in our closet or something you know like your childhood demons because so many people online are like these are two deeply damaged people you know, they, Do they say that about us? Do they think yeah, that we, we are haven't deeply- dealt with our trauma, and this is why we uh, want to have children, or why were we? I
0: I love this. I mean, you want to talk about a sign of brainwashing or a brainwashed individual? Mm. It's when somebody disagrees with them or has a different world perspective than so them. So they're damaged. <laughs> their first reaction is, "What horrible thing happened to them in their past?" Yeah. That made them see the world differently than me. And yeah. that what they need to do and, – and there's actually a class of people who do this. They don't even say, like, you know, you should read the research or you should go out there and learn about this topic <laughs> – They're like you need to go to therapy. Yes. Then you will think like me. Exactly.
2: Uh It's like I think it's a constant trope that people are exposed to in media. Like villains, of course, were raised in terribly abused environments. Like you know that that Doctor Evil bit where he's like you know he talks about this like terrible childhood and how he was beaten and all these things. Well, I mean,
0: I think that the you know if you talk about we talk about the the super virus right the the yeah. And the way that it maintains its membership or recruits new members is through using psychologists. And we have talked about mm-hmm. this in in the video, Psychology Has Become a Cult. I think this is somebody who originally trained in psychology. The way that psychology is practiced now is not the way it was practiced even a decade ago in terms of what's considered acceptable and what's not. And, and, and you know, as, as to what you're saying here... It makes a lot of sense if you see this not as being in like one cultural group versus another cultural group, but see it as being in a cult. Well, yeah, of course a cult would tell you well, you need to go to your cult cult appointed mind cleaner. (laughs) They'll they'll clean your, your brains dirty and there's these people you can pay to clean it. They'll wash it for you. If if you will, and but then also, once you have a clean brain, you can have clean thoughts. On re-watching this during editing, I realize the joke may not be clear here. I am making a joke about brainwashing. I don't think and there's
2: the- a precedent for that, though. Like, even in the media tropes where, like, the evil person has gone to therapy and worked on themselves, like, they're never really fixed. So it's just kind of this excuse to write someone off permanently, that they're damaged, they're traumatized. And you know, though they should go to therapy and whatnot, no amount of it will actually. I mean, amend I saw them. so
0: much of this was Trump. when He was elected. Did people say of, he was
2: traumatized in his youth? Yeah, all of these articles. Oh, they come did out. They, something about his dad, right? That he was. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah it was, how wrong. is he traumatized?
0: How is he? Right. You know, they 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 just cannot fathom that someone could honestly just disagree with their perception. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they must be emotionally stunted.
0: No, yes. well, let's be clear. Other other cultural groups have some similar things to this. Like there are some, oh, yeah, like maybe you know, you're
2: possessed by a demon, for yeah, example. Some extreme
0: Christians that like literally think everyone who disagrees with them is possessed by a demon. So there's but- that. But I, I would say that those are like the most extreme, absolutely wackadoo of Christians. And yet this is a mainstream position among the, the those indoctrinated into the virus. Yeah. Actually, Scientology do the same thing. It's your thetans, right? Your thetans that are attached uh, to you, which yeah. cause you to have negative thoughts and stuff like that. And you need to go to their well, their version of, like, psychologists, these to people be who you tell your backstory to, and then they help you get your thetans off of you hmm. uh, so that you can think
2: clearly because yeah. of you. Oh, they even have something like, oh, what's it called? But I know that also, like, they don't even want mothers to scream during childbirth because they think that might traumatize the child, which is, you know, I guess it goes to show you can make up all these excuses of, like, whether or not yeah. the person remembers or not, here's why they're messed up. Like their mother screamed when they were born or something, right? So
0: the term they use, by the way, is clear. Clear. Right. right. And that's why that
2: thinking. documentary was mm-hmm. called Going Clear.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once they have cleared your brain, mm-hmm. cleaned it, washed it, if you will. Uh, whichever group no but it's just a common practice and it makes sense that it's a common practice because it's an incredibly effective practice
2: yeah well and Um, other people i think just say like well it's because you haven't accepted jesus christ as your savior or basically you haven't converted to this religion and that's why you're evil or but but but
0: i would say hold on is that this practice this Mm. way of relating to people who see the world differently from you (laughs) is not usually a practice had within healthy cultural groups. If we look within the healthy Christian cultural groups or, or, or Jewish Orthodox groups or, you know, I- I- even in a historic context, yeah. they typically did not see their enemies in like a, oh, if you just go see like our, whatever their iteration of a psychologist was, you'll yeah. eventually be able to see things the way I do. Of course. But where this is relevant to today's topic of conversation is one thing that I do think that most successful cultural traditions have and that ours, as we had originally considered constructed it you know we've built a little religion for our family um complete with holidays belief systems and metaphysical structure for the universe that we'd pass on to our kids does not have which is demons like some sort of like genuinely malevolent force Mm. and so we started thinking about how we could because one thing i really want with everything in this religion as i pass it to my kids is that it is not falsifiable by any sort of science as it exists right now and where it is falsifiable by science it can be updated like it is meant to work why we call it a secular religious structure is it is meant to be our best understanding from a secular perspective of how the world actually works so
2: it's kind of like hard science fiction where hard science fiction is expected to be logically internally consistent with any invented science and it's also supposed to respect any science that already exists like don't get a planet's orbit wrong don't get the physics of this wrong etc
0: So, for to start, for people who aren't familiar with the broad strokes of our ideological belief system, (laughs) it's that in a hundred thousand years from today, a million years from today, if our descendants are still around, that they would be closer to the way we would conceive of a deity today or a god today than the way we would conceive of another human. And as such, you know, who's to say they relate to time the same way we do? And they might be guiding their manifestation, which is why we call it you know, the inevitable God, the, the self-manifesting God, through rewarding individuals who do things that increase the quality or, or, or lead to a flourishing future human civilization and punish humans who act indulgently or indolently or selfishly or on vanity or on self-narratives. And so, for example, you know, one of the things that we tell our kids is that these, and and these, these beings that influence the past, they don't necessarily come in like angels or something like that. They may be just manipulating things at the smallest, most quantum level in a way that has like a butterfly effect that then ends up having large repercussions in even potentially like human evolution. So an example I can give here is... One of the ways in which they have sort of encoded in our own biology punishment for indolence is that all hedonistic pursuits, pursuits where an individual is pursuing happiness or vanity or uh, their their perception in other people's eyes for its own sake, you know, uh, just sort of masturbating these emotional subsets, that these pleasures turn to ash on one's tongue. What I mean by that is the pleasure that you experience for going out and chasing pleasure, like going out just sleeping with tons of people, going out just you know eating a really really fancy food every day, drinking whatever you want. All of these begin to feel like they lose any happiness that they give you pretty quickly, yeah. and they begin to feel gross, and they. Make you feel gross as a human being.
2: Now, maybe about this is that for kids, this is really, really easy to point out. So, like, let's say that your kid is really into a sports star or a movie star, and like, it's it's pretty easy on most famous people to dig up, you know, here are the ways that people like them or people on their same trajectories or even just them are actually pretty miserable. People who especially pursue fame just for hedonism do end up like extra miserable. And it's like hedonism on steroids. Like it's one thing to just pursue a life that's kind of comfortable where you have hobbies and you have your job and you retire early or whatever, and there's van life and all that. But like when you were like going all the way, like, no, I'm going to get all the attention, all the fame, all the money, all the mansions, all the cars, all the women, all the men, whatever the, the, the misery seems to pile on, like in proportion to the amount of hedonism pursued. And it's so cool.
0: Yeah, it, it is really interesting. And and I, I wanna highlight our word which you said a little differently, which is if you look at people who dedicated their lives to personal aggrandizement or personal vanity, whether those are sports stars who were doing it for personal reasons. So there's sort of two categories of like sports stars and movie stars. Some of them, you can see they go into it, but then they, they are genuinely trying to make the world a better place rather than sort of make themselves look like the good guy or personally grandize themselves. And you see very different life outcomes from these two groups. When you see the, the sports stars who are in it for the fame and the movie stars who are in it for the fame and the sex and the drugs or the musicians who are in it for that stuff, their lives often are the lives that I would least want to trade mine for. They they have such a deep sense of genuine despair that you can see in almost all of their actions that it is almost heartbreaking. Almost heartbreaking, but you know that this is... a a self-working system. But what's very interesting is when we look at the people who have the most genuine and persistent happiness, these are the most mission-driven people. Mm -hmm. These are the people that have sacrificed their lives for their faith. And that faith can be a secular faith or a religious faith. But sacrificing your life for your faith. Now, some people are like, but isn't that what these, you know, Hollywood stars that are pushing every single progressive talking point are. And I'd be like, no, it's the Hollywood stars that are sticking to the progressive talking points from 20 years ago that have radically changed because they have radically changed. Like what is an acceptable progressive talking point changes a lot faster than I think a lot of progressives are willing to admit themselves. And so you see different levels. I can think of an example here. J.K. Rowling, for example. She seems to be a genuinely happy person oh, who yeah. is still pushing the progressive talking points that were famous when she was a kid. Yeah, which at, date, at great
2: cost. <laughs>
0: at great cost. Yeah. No, I think she was wrong to believe those. But I think it, it leads, she it held shows to them. a level of integrity. And logical consistency. Yeah, integrity and logical consistency that you don't see in the Hollywood stars, like a perfect example of this would be like Harry and Meghan. Like, whenever anything switches, whenever the winds blow in a particular way, they're on the new train because what they care about is being seen as good guys, not the causes Mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. What they Mm -hmm. care about is the brand. He's right. Trying to make ourselves into a brand just turned us into products. We don't need to be a brand, do we?
1: Yes, I'm sure you agree, darling. We can be the people we talked about being, with no more worries about how we look or the image we project to people. What matters is what we have on the inside.
0: Hello? Yeah. So this is a brilliant little thing that has an aspect of religiosity to it, you know, in, in me, me telling my kids about this, like this idea of happiness turning to ash in one's mouth, that this being the way that we are designed, but it also has a level of truth to it and something I can point to, but it's also a lesson I want my kids to learn because I think it's a very important lesson that takes a lot of people too long to learn. I, I hate Jim Carrey's politics and everything like that, but I do love the one quote that he has, and I think he's an example of a deeply unhappy person who... Mm achieved everything and, and then just tried to go, like never really thought about why he was doing stuff, but it's, I hope that everyone, you know, has the the blessings to achieve everything they ever wanted to achieve in life so that they can know that it wasn't what they wanted, <laughs> which is, Uh-oh. no, I mean, it's it's, it's yeah. if that's the type of stuff you want to achieve. I am two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey because then I would be enough it would finally be true and I could stop this this terrible search you want to see a genuinely happy person and this is why I'll often play clips of him like on other base camp episodes
1: Steve Irwin What good is a fast car, a flash house and a gold plate of dunny to me? Absolutely no good at all. I've been put on this planet to protect wildlife and wilderness areas, which in essence is going to help humanity. I want to save the world. And you know money? Money's great. I can't get enough money. And you know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to buy wilderness areas with it. Every single cent I get goes straight into conservation. And guess what, Charles? I don't give a rip whose money it is, mate. I'll use it and I'll spend it on buying land. Like, watch anything with him in it, the way he relates to
0: his family, the way, like, just genuinely, like, pure, good-hearted happiness.
1: Is there anything in this world that would want to make me give away what I'm doing now? Yes. Yes, there is. When my children can take the football that I call wildlife conservation and run it up. When they're ready to run up our mission, I will gladly step aside. And I guarantee you it'll be the proudest moment of my life. And my job will be done like my mum and my dad. Then and only then will I know that I have achieved my ultimate goal.
0: And that is... Really interesting that you can see this when somebody who has dedicated themselves to a higher calling. And that's what I talk about. Like, he definitely had a secular higher calling. Like, his Mm -hmm. higher calling was preserving the environment, right? But it
2: doesn't have to be like a higher calling that we approve of. Like, when I was trying to think when we first talked about this of celebrities who are super, super famous and successful, but also they seem really happy, I thought of Bill Murray and like, Probably his objective function is not something that we would choose for ourselves but he clearly he's very consistent in his action and like both publicly and privately and he you know seems really happy. Karen Michael drove more than 300 miles from her home outside Chicago to the ballpark in Cleveland. Karen didn't have a ticket for the game but she went anyway on the zillion to one chance she could buy one at the stadium. Um, I was at the will call window hoping that somebody didn't pick up their tickets and I would be able to re- rebuy them and uh, they don't do that. Murray was passing by and saw Karen being turned away, heartbroken. And he turned around, gave me the ticket, shuffled me in the door. I was ecstatic to even be going into the game, let alone actually sitting with him. Roker also showed this goofy video of Murray playing hairdresser with another fan. And he just starts styling her hair. <laughs>
0: so Well, and it doesn't seem to me that this is ever about fame or hedonism for him. No,
2: he just—he's just a cool guy. Just...
0: But, but anyway, so back to the talking point: demons, mm. right? So, h- what is a demon within this context? Like, where can I borrow themes around what demons look like?
2: Mm. And
0: Simone, you had a really interesting idea.
2: Yeah, can I share my 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 idea of demons what I think they are actually in our metaphysical metaphysical world is so we have the future police which are essentially like our religions equivalent of angels because we often say you know when something happens and you don't know why or it seems bad at the time we're like listen the future police made this happen because it was supposed to happen and if we are on a righteous path essentially it it is gonna be for the best. And we found in our lives that whenever something seemingly terrible happens, it actually is for the best. And we thank the future police for that. So they are in that sense to us, a guardian angel, but I think that they can equally be demons and that the same future police that are nudging your life in a positive direction can be the same demons that nudge your life in a terrible direction toward death, toward ruin, toward obsolescence, because you are not, to use a Calvinist term, among the elect. And a sign that demons are punishing you, that the future police are are punishing rather than rewarding you, is that you are pursuing a life of hedonism. And so you are going to be increasingly punished by them, made obsolete, made miserable, made, you know, have your life cut short, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the most per our worldview, logically consistent view. And it's also simple and elegant because the same people who reward can also punish More like the Krampus version of Santa Claus.
0: (laughs) Well, so, so, you know, I I like this idea of the same entity that is rewarding or group of entities that is rewarding actions that increase the potential flourishing of the human race Mm -hmm. do lay tests and trials
2: for us intentionally. They do lay temptations they would need to remove the non-meaningful people. They would need to take out the ones who might cause damage, right? Who might not create the future that is ne- that needs to happen.
0: Yes, well, to abandon those that succumb to the temptation and the tests that they have laid out to them. And not
2: just abandon, but cull, but neutralize
0: yeah well and i think if you see historically you know one of the things we did when we were looking at raising our kids is going through historic figures that ended up moving human civilization Mm -hmm. on a direction that we think was better and we're like what do they have in common like if we're thinking about raising our kids to be great people like we do believe in the great people theory of history and i do want my kids to be great people i do want to become one myself in in great person history right that'd be amazing if that happens (laughs) but One of the things that you just see consistently is in their youth, they underwent some form of enormous trial or some form of enormous undeserved hardship often, not always undeserved, but no, you just see this over and over and over again. You know, you've saw it in the recent Elon Musk book, whether it's Caesar and the pirates, whether it's, you know, there's, there's always stuff like this. Right. And I love this as a, as a, a mechanism, because if, the future police were guiding all of these individuals as well. They had to put them through these trials so that they could know, and they had to give them the temptations so that they could ensure that they deserved their their blessings uh, and their their guidance to you know, the future that must come to pass. But this is also very different than most religion structure of demons.
2: One, one interesting way that some religious or cultural views Don't do demons, but still do chaotic forces, which I would say is probably closer to future police, is with the tricksters that you'll see like in many Native American traditions. Yeah, but I just
0: don't know if we believe in tricksters.
2: Yeah, but I think trick, tricksters are interesting in that, you know, to, to your point that like, oh, you know, all these religions have demons. I wouldn't say that demons are universal or that everyone No, 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 but what I blame. think is, is
0: pretty odd for a religious structure is a religious structure that believes that both the entities acting negatively in your life and the entities acting positively in your life hmm. are the same entity.
2: Oh, I don't know. The Greek and, and Roman <laughs> gods seemed to be that, right? Sometimes they would be complete dicks to you and sometimes they would be... I'd say it's closer to like the Christian God
0: where the the negative things that befall someone are often God as well as the positive He was sometimes
2: really mean.
0: Well, I mean, (laughs) this isn't true of all iterations of Christianity, but it is (laughs) definitely true of some. But he often doesn't, or at least in in the iterations that I'm familiar with, use angels to perform the negative acts. He instead uses the angels to sort of give demons or devils permission to, the devil permission to perform negative acts. Mm. Is often... Literature around the Bible, the actual Bible itself, often goes very rarely into this sort of stuff. So it's not.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't recall anything about angels or demons in the Bible. I just recall, for example, Satan like goading God into tempting. making yeah. Job's but, life miserable. I'm not even tempting, just being like, mm, you really think Job thinks you're that right? great? Yeah.
0: But anyway, so 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 back to, demons back to Our, demons. our structure, right? Yes. So. Another thing that I really like, and it's funny, we, we, in our book, we called, we said one of the names for, for, for the, the deity that we call God, as we call it, is the Omnission, you know, the, the all child, The inevitable God. Uh, But obviously, or the inevitable God that we tied from the, obviously we took some inspiration from the Warhammer universe from that, just because I love it. It's fun, right? (laughs) Good lore. One of the best lores, actually. But I was also sort of thinking of it in terms of a lore structure. And I really like its lore structure around the types or sort of the domains of demons. Hmm. Um, With the four core domains of demons. And what I like about this is in terms of teaching my children how to resist the core temptations and the faces that the enemy, (coughs) you know, when when these, these future police are acting adversarial to you, when they are testing you, they do that through enemy agents, through empowering individuals, real humans often, or social movements or events in your life that you can call the enemy, to test you, to pull you off the path of righteousness. And that the enemy, I the what I like about the, the Warhammer framing here is you can use the four chaos gods as the faces that the enemy uses, and the avatar the enemy uses to pull you from your path, right? And and it will do this with fallen individuals. It'll take somebody who's already fallen, often succumb to some form of ideological virus, and then use, utilize, puppet that individual, often as part of the virus's reproductive cycle, Mm -hmm. to try to peel you off from the path of righteousness. So if I'm going to go through the four deities in the Warhammer universe and sort of see how I see them represented here. Which is interesting, because I just find them much more compelling than, than more traditional deities I'm familiar with from other demons I'm familiar with from other religious structures. The reason why I think that they're more compelling is because they were sort of come to a priori from an authorial standpoint, instead of being so historically, if you look at like Christianity, what Christianity would often do is frame the gods of neighboring religions as demons or as Satan you know, like Moloch, right, was a neighboring religion during early Judaism, right? So, and and words for demon and stuff like that, or Baal was a a neighboring deity, right? Which means that they would often take a lot of the iconography from that instead of coming up with the iconography a priori. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, if you're taking this from our weird religious perspective, we would say that these are not actual a priori, but these are visions of the way that you might be tested that are easy for a child to conceive of, right? So the the four core deities born by four core human sources of temptation or fear or negative emotions. The first we would say is Nurgle, which in in the universe is is sort of the deity of, of pestilence, which is born by humans' fear of death and desire to keep living through anything Mm -hmm. and the gifts that it gives to people who follow it most are are the alleviation of of pain associated with death and stuff like that like diseases etc. Simone what group would be most associated with a paralyzing fear of death leading them to stagnation?
2: Our longtime enemy the life extensionists. yes.
0: <laughs> they're, they're the, the nurgleite community. And, well, I mean, I, I like that because I think it's it's really true. It, it can be seen as a positive ideology. And there's so many ways to cover up the intrinsic stagnation embodied within perpetual life and the intrinsic dehumanization of shorter lived entities and everything like that. Whereas I think seeing it through this eye can make it a lot easier to understand the 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 true and and what i also love is the correlation between stagnation and pestilence um that it is in stagnant pools Mm. that parasites breed most fervently that then take down great Uh beasts i see then second you could say the most common would be slanesh. And what i like about slanesh is slanesh is all forms of hedonism, right? Not just sexual hedonism but personal bana- vanity, a strive for perfection. So someone would be a servant of slanesh or a tempter of slanesh whether they are a gym bro who is indolently working on their body to the exclusion of partic- potentially efficacious action in reality. Uh, or somebody who just spends all day having sex or on OnlyFans or eating food constantly like a glutton. And what I really like about this demonic framing is it helps remind people how little of a difference there is between pursuits of personal vanity and, and the pursuit of being validated by your community Which can be a really driving ideology for a lot of people, right? It's very easy to convince somebody that this is a thing of value because they're like, I am striving for human perfection, right? But it is human perfection that serves no greater purpose other than the glorification of the self. And this really came up with a family member of mine where he was annoyed at me. So a lot of my family, people might be surprised to know this, are like very deep South, good old boy type people, you know, Texas groups. And this is somebody who married into the family. So not, not directly related to me, but you know, it's the type of people my family often marry that I said that sports was a sin. And he was like, no, sports is not a sin. Sports is great. Sports is tradition. And I'm like, what? yeah, but how does it make the world a better place? What, and I go, and they're like, well, you can't just say sports is a sin because from your framework, I'm like, there is no logically consistent framework. (laughs) I stand all logically consistent frameworks that lead to a a better future for humanity and that are pluralistic, right? That are okay with people different from them existing. And none of them that I am aware of have like a logically consistent way. I I can think of no iteration of Christianity that's like really a a well thought through iteration where God's like, oh yeah, you get into heaven because you did really well on that one play because you had all of those fans because you helped carry your team to victory. And to no. be clear,
2: this is not to say that any engagement in sports is seen as a bad thing by us. It's, it's sports as a, like an inherent good that you disagree with.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and as a life pursuit that I disagree with. Right. So I, I would say that, and this is where we'll get to one of the other demons, one of the easiest paths to temptation, and one of the easiest ways a person can fall off the righteous path, is to not recognize that as a human, they are wretched and they are flawed and they are failed. And that that is okay. All humans sin. Hmm. What is critical is that you do not glorify the sin. What I mean by this is every human does some things that are just for sin whether it's sports, whether it's working out a little bit more than they have to, whether it's drinking, a sin that I engage in, right? Whether it's, you know, indulgent spending on things that they don't really need, right? My sin. (laughs) Yeah, sin is a a part of life. But there is a huge difference between saying, I am engaging in this sin. I recognize it as sin. I recognize it is something I should have some shame for. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also recognize that I am human and thus a sinner. Right? But if you use it and say, no, actually the sports are a good thing. I am a good person for being good at sports. I am a good person for, in whatever particular aspect of that I engage in. That is where true evil comes from. But true evil can also come from a human that thinks they can totally avoid sin. Every group I know of that believes that humans can completely avoid sin. The humans in their group that quote unquote, come closest to that mm-hmm. are typically least efficacious individuals in society because avoiding sin means avoiding action.
2: Yeah. Right. So yeah. So, so sorry, I think you cut out for a second. You were saying that those who believe you can completely avoid sin and who tried to do so also do the least of anything because they're most likely to just not do anything.
0: Yes. Right. So yeah. there is, there is just as much sin in believing that sin is virtue mm-hmm. as there is sin in uh believing that you, it, is, it is capable that you as a human a current iteration of humanity can escape it yep. so but anyway, so that's that's one path there. It's Slaaneshidom. And what I really like about Slaaneshidom as a framing device is that it frames all of these various types of hedonistic and self-validation temptations alongside each other and as equally evil, because I believe they hurt people in the same way. Yeah. But they're very different than something like the life extensionist, like the desire to not die. This is usually an ideological, not like in-the-moment desire. Mm-hmm. Next demon or, or life path would be corn the demon of war How uh, do we or, spell or this? aggression well and Simone knows when world conflicts erupt I'm often like well Simone should I go there should I be trying to do something about this and she's like no Malcolm this really isn't the best use but I feel a really strong desire to get involved when I see and and my family I remember one of the things that my grandfather told me before I was passing who had you know served in World War II is that you are going to have like a really strong desire to engage in wars that you see as righteous. Mm. But just remember that it is always best to try to avoid the conflict because you as somebody who hasn't been to war don't know how bad it really is and that you can't imagine how bad it really is. Mm. And so I think that this desire for my team versus their team where it leads to... Death and setback Is sort of cornite failure Which is also very different from the Slaneshi camp of failures From life extensionist camp of failures And the final one which is the most interesting one to me is is, is failure this would be the the god of of change right mm-hmm. the chaos demon of of change and that within the setting you know this is the demon that empowers sorcerers and stuff like that like anyone with any sort of magical power or intellectuals or academics but it it is change just for the sake of change mm-hmm. not change for the sake of Improving the human condition. So or who, improving who does this? Because generally
2: humans hate change.
0: Uh, I would say that the core avatar of this right now would mm-hmm. be the people who are just completely unhinged about AI and that the, the, the people who call other people's things like carbon fascists. That literally, I call
2: other people carbon fascists, so I'm I'm subject to this. But... Yes,
0: you, you are. This is a, definitely the temptation that we are the most susceptible to. Mm. Um, no, I mean it, it's true, Simone. Yeah. The idea of individuals. Now, I I do believe that humans will need to change in the future, and I think that the the drive to not change is 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 a, a Nurgleite change. And Nurgle and Zeech are core. They hate, they hate each other a lot. They're two they're, ends they're,
2: of a toxic spectrum.
0: They Yeah, they're two sides of a toxic spectrum where there is complete stagnation, but then there is change only for the sake of, of change. And that where I think you can corely define an individual that has succumbed to Zichenism versus an individual that hasn't is do they want some iteration of humanity to survive are are they okay with humanity being wholly and completely replaced or are they indifferent to humanity being wholly and completely replaced in the pursuit of whatever other thing that they're trying to achieve often knowledge work or creating you know the perfect ai or something like that Mm -hmm. i i would argue that this is a force that in our world right now is the weakest of the four demonic forces and therefore you know we tend towards it a little bit but only only to sort of even out the great game, you could call it, between these, these four forces and the different people who will wear these forces and be puppeted by these forces in trying to seduce you off the path of righteousness, which is towards a pluralistic human empire.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
0: We're the descendants of humans, because you know of course, any entity that's around for hundreds of thousands of years is going to speciate to some extent. And so we want a, a human zoo, right a, 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 the collection. I mean, especially when humans get to other planets or are on floating you know ship structures that take thousands of years to get between, you know you're just much intermigr indelibly lead to speciation. Unless you have some sort of like genetic protection act on, which is culling humans that deviate too much, which you could do, but it would require the sort of, it, 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 ironically, a polygenic risk or IVF selection of the type that we do, mm-hmm. but that selects towards reversion to the mean.
2: Huh. I want to go out on a limb and say you know, probably more Warhammer lore than most people who own at least one Warhammer figurine. And you are not among those people, by the way.
0: Oh, you say that? And then some people are gonna be criticizing my knowledge of the lore in this video, being like, you got this wrong, or you got this wrong. For
2: someone who doesn't own a single figurine, I think you- So I
0: really love lore research, okay? It's one of my (sighs) deepest hobbies where I will just go- Hours. Deep, deep deep into the lore of a, a fictional universe. The two best fictional universes for lore, I think, are the Old World of Darkness, Uh, is this a vampire
2: thing that you? yeah this is the vampire
0: the masquerade uh, but the original vampire the masquerade not the new one they really (laughs) destroyed it when they made nerd um, (laughs) well i i think that the the anyway yeah so i I think they destroyed it with the new world of darkness i don't want like the new like was malkavians being a disease instead of a distinct clan how dare stupid how dare you? Sorry, Simone, this bothers me. This bothers me. I'm,
2: um, I know, and I'm not above this, this level of nerddom. And Gehenna,
0: um, like, is, it's is too underway at this point, was in the new world of darkness. So anyway, but then was, was the Warhammer with Laura, the reason I always liked it and one of the reasons I like it, I'm like, do you think it's the logical conclusion, just to like go on a tangent here that is not tied to the topic of this video, of a lot of hippie mindsets. Hmm. So a lot of hippies, they'll come to me and they'll say things like i remember this growing up right like well what if deities are created by humans believing in them right and then those uh, deities right. really be- come to exist and you you mentioned a, book it's a thing, very right?
2: neat human american gods kind of view
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Warhammer says, okay, this is true and that is the worst of all possible worlds because <laughs> if that was true, then it is the most simple emotions like the fear of death or pleasure yeah. for pleasure's sake or, yeah. you know, et cetera, that would manifest the most as these deities and as soon as these deities could act on the world then they would have a manifest interest in increasing the emotion that leads to their creation so like the god associated with fearing death would also try to spread pestilence and diseases because that causes more people to fear death Mm -hmm. which causes its power to grow right Um, and that this leads to horror beyond horror horror beyond comprehension and then you get a vast interstellar human empire uh, And you need to like monitor everyone's emotions and live in this extremely, even more than us, puritanical perspective where you sort of have to beat emotions out of individuals because you
2: create some terrifying god.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that our world perspective is not that dissimilar from that. I mean, as we say, all positive and negative emotions are sin in that they are intrinsically indulgent. And that the righteous path for humanity is one in which we learn and master emotional self-control uh, rather than to allow our emotions to control us, as I think is the calling card of many soft cultural traditions.
2: Hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Anyway, I Sounds love you tough. and I love that you're okay with me being a stinking nerd.
2: I wouldn't have it any other way, Malcolm. You're the best. (laughs) You are the best. You are the best.
0: And I loved the thesis you came up with of the demons and the gods being two faces of the same entities because it rings so true for me. It rings so plausible for me. It requires the smallest additional stuff, but it also allows us to prime our kids and to frame for our kids the people who come to them with these temptations that this is a test. Mm -hmm. And these individuals are just human puppets of failed human creatures that are testing them.
2: Yes, it's going to be fun. Can't wait to try it out. Love you. Yeah, can't wait to try terrifying
0: our kids.